Hello, and welcome to Get Wrecked. I am your host, Stephen Falgu. And I am your other host, Louis Falgu. Get Wrecked is our podcast where Stephen Hello. and I, two siblings, and welcome. I did it again, you can't think. Two siblings come together and recommend pieces of media to each other, um, whether it be a film, an album, a video game, or whatever. And then in the next episode, we discuss each other's recommendations. And uh, today, we have two great topics, uh, including Vine, of all things. So we've got a special day for you today here on Get Rec number 50. And... Um, and it is number 50. It is officially the half-life of our podcast. That's true. Episode 100 is the last one. You heard the it here first. One. It's never. We're not continuing after that. That's it. I didn't. We didn't even discuss this. But you know what? It's final now. Well, it's just a law of podcast. You can't go beyond 100. Mm-hmm. But you also can't end before 100 because then it's just premature. So Yeah. So we'll actually have to create the sequel to Get Wrecked. So that way we can create more episodes <laughs> yeah get wrecked number 100 will air in about you know three years maybe four years okay but then get wrecked 2 episode one is coming shortly after that and you know what i'm gonna just i know it's a little early to make the announcement but because it is the half-life i'm just gonna go out and say it in our first episode of get wrecked 2 we're actually gonna have different photos oh my god yes finally it will be it will be the greatest podcast of all time. We're already like the second greatest podcast of all time behind Get Wrecked 2, which hasn't even aired yet. But you already know it's the best podcast of all time. So I don't really feel like you need to watch it or listen to it or whatever. You're supposed to listen to podcasts. I always forget that. Just like what we'll be talking about Vine, we'll one day have Vine 2 from the creator of Vine, Get Wrecked. We'll have Get Wrecked 2. Wow, yes. And I'm excited for that, just as excited as I am to even discuss Vine 1, which was special. And with that, Stephen, I think we should move into what you recommended to me last time, if that's okay. Sure. Go ahead and explain it. Louis, last time I recommended to you the, I guess now, YouTuber, voice actor, comedian, ProZD. And specifically, I recommended you some Vine compilations just because I thought it'd be fun to look back at Vine. ProZD kind of came out of like a Tumblr community, became a prolific voice actor and still does a lot of voice acting for shows and anime, video games, and now has kind of had a YouTube career. But before most of that, he gained most relevance through vine the social media platform where you could only host was five second videos is that right i believe it was five seconds seven seconds seven seconds yeah um yes i'm seeing some rip vines in chat can i get a f in chat for vine everyone yeah um vine had its heyday and it's dead to us now the creators one day just said it's dead and everyone said okay but before it was dead, there was ProZD. So, Lewis, while you couldn't go onto the platform Vine, unfortunately, to watch ProZD Vines, I did recommend to you some Vine compilations on YouTube. And really, that's how anyone can watch Vines these days is just Vine compilations. So with that, I'll hand it over to you, Lewis, to talk about ProZD Vines. Yeah. So- oh, wait, wait, quick, quickly. Um, before we go into that, I just want to say it's 
probably going to be kind of impossible for us to talk about like specific ones. I'm I sure was... we'll bring up some specific vines, but yeah. I think I the way I wanted to talk about this segment was more like ProZD's comedic style as a whole and like the vine, how the vine format really fit that style because honestly there is a lot of vine compilations of his and some of those vine compilations even become YouTube compilations so they kind of get intermixed. Um, but I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there before we kind of talk about it. Yeah, and also I was hoping to, through talking about ProZD's Vines, discuss Vine a little bit as a platform too. Um, I think that it lends itself to that because something about ProZD's Vines, and I have seen his stuff before. Uh, he's doing like really quite similar stuff from whatever I've seen of him on YouTube. It's kind of a, it's, it's pretty similar to what he used to do on Vine, just with more time to do it. Um now, I have not been keeping up with him or anything like that, so I don't know what he's been doing lately necessarily, but I have seen some skits. It's like, yeah, it looks like longer Vine videos, basically. Um, and his his style, um, and this is not to diss him, but his style is definitely not unique. You know, watching the uh, comedy that he did on this platform was very similar to what a lot of people did, which is that because you had, like, seven seconds, you had to make really snappy, punchy little clips. They, you could hardly even call them videos. I mean, they were, but they felt like little clips. Um, a lot of people opted to just kind of do it themselves. Um, they would do, like, a skit with multiple characters, like two or three, maybe even four. But they just kind of cut between different variations of themselves. Maybe in one of them, they're wearing a hat. Uh, what he tends to do is he wears this fake mustache, which is very silly. Um, but there are always little things like that just to indicate, okay, this is a different character. Maybe they'd be framed on the other side of the, of the, um, of the screen, little things like that. Um, and it was so snappy and so punchy that you didn't really notice. Like it's the kind of thing that would probably get annoying to watch in a lengthy video, um, either annoying or just painful. It it just wouldn't really work. But in this format, it does. And also because you had like seven seconds to make, a video you had to like force everything and you had to be super snappy because you didn't get much time and in a lot of pro zds uh, vines he actually p- packs quite a bit into some of them um i mean there usually is just one joke but um part of the joke is explained by the title of the vine um, which in his official uploads of his compilations he places under each vine um as it's playing uh, and then the vine itself, you can get all the dialogue in. And the, the one thing that I was impressed with by from his stuff is that, yeah, like it was pretty impressive how some of these skits could feel lengthier than they were. Um, I mean, they obviously didn't feel long, but some of them didn't feel like they were seven seconds. He'd managed to get so much, so many, so many, so much dialogue or so many little jokes or visual gags into each uh, bit that you could easily be fooled into thinking you were watching something longer. Um, and he also is being a voice actor he really has the voice for this too um and he's able to do multiple different voices to play different characters and i think all of his impressions and voices are pretty silly um a lot of his vines revolve around anime or pokemon or rpgs um nerdy stuff like that i suppose and um but because they're so like boiled down into such a short period of time i don't even think it's like it's so easy to not even notice that um and uh, just in general, I think that he was very funny. Of a lot of the people I've seen from Vine or any Vines that I've ever seen, he's definitely in the upper echelon because a lot of these guys were not that great. Um, but uh, I would put him in in, in the in uh, the, the higher tier for sure. Yeah, and I I feel like a lot of quote unquote Vine stars didn't 
do what he was doing. A lot of Vine stars, some of them had skits, but most of them, like the most popular Vine stars, basically, um, or the most, a lot of the most popular Vines were just like people captured a funny seven second moment, whereas uh, his Vines were very well structured and formatted and fit the medium and took good advantage of the medium too because since vine is so short and you kind of alluded to this but since vine is so short a lot of what vine has to be is like basically hard cuts and his hard cuts and like how much he can pack into those hard cuts is honestly really funny just from a visual gag standpoint on top of the actual punchline which he pretty much packs an entire joke in seven seconds and some of my favorite vines although you didn't mention that a lot of his vines are anime or gaming inspired and they definitely are uh he definitely trends very heavily to that but some of my favorite vines of his are some of the ones that aren't that like i don't know if you saw the vine where it's like somebody trying to pronounce his name because he has a he has a very korean name and those sorts of vines are actually really funny and those are ones that i think that are definitely off the beaten path of what his usual content is but also were able to propel themselves in popularity. And he has had a pretty prolific career coming out of Vine. I would say he's one of maybe a few quote-unquote Vine stars that have really been able to like live past the medium. Most of them just kind of fell by the wayside because the transition from Vine to YouTube is actually not very easy. But for ProZD, because his Vines were very sketch-dependent, it's very easy to transfer those sketch onto YouTube. He's able to kind of fill out those sketches too. His sketches on YouTube still aren't necessarily long, which is good because I think long YouTube sketches are honestly just absolutely terrible for the most part. Uh, but his his sketches still are kind of like in that shorter mind mindset. They're not seven seconds anymore. They're a little longer than that, probably closer to like 30 seconds because now a lot of his content goes to Twitter first and then to YouTube. So Twitter has not necessarily a similar... Uh, capacity as like something like a vine but it is very much like people are just quickly looking at tweets and if you have a long video no one's going to watch it so he's able to do some stuff that's like not only within his wheelhouse but also then not only within vine to which he was able to kind of have a longer career than just vine yeah and um something that i wanted to mention here is that i remember that like vine got a lot of shit for sure, especially from like YouTubers, um, and basically everywhere except for Vine. Vine took a lot of shit, and I do understand that to some degree because I mean I, I definitely remember when Vine was big. Um, I had the app, but I usually saw Vines elsewhere. Um, like there was definitely a lot of very garbage content, which I guess is natural i mean you have a platform where anybody can come and do like a little seven second video and there are these um there are a lot of trends that conform with something like that that aren't going to be so great so one of the things that i remember the most from vine was that it did turn into a ton of the creators on there basically just doing the loud equals funny thing where it was just like if i yell every single thing that i do that i say it will be funny it doesn't matter what it is um, or even some jokes that were not necessarily bad jokes, but it will be funnier if I yell it really loud. Um, 
Some of the earliest popular Vine stars that I can remember was, like, the dude who would spit lemons out of his mouth and stuff like that. Like, I remember when Vine was first coming up and people were, like, talking about the early stars and it was people like that. And it was the first time in my life where I felt like an elderly person looking at, like, the internet. (laughs) Where I was, and I was young, and I was looking at it because I just hadn't, you know, been following Vine early on. I first saw it, I was just like, this is the dumbest thing, I don't get it. Um, I'm not going to watch this. Um, but I feel like a lot of those early stupidities that were there kept carrying on and only got worse and worse. Um, that be- All of that being said, though, um, I do think that the platform took too much shit because there is actually something really cool inherent to the format. I think that when you're limited like that, it can bring out a lot of creativity. I remember seeing not even just comedy vines, but even like different kinds of vines, like more artistic kind of vines and stuff that were really cool. People would use the looping, um, the fact that the videos would loop to their advantage to do some really, really cool things. Um, And um, even for comedy, which was mostly, I think, what got popular on there, it was really interesting to see how that limitation could force people to make jokes and could force people to edit videos. And I do think that having watched like ProZD as well, I realized this even more, where I really realized it was like, wow, um, it really was a place where if you were funny, you could find some really unique kinds of humor. Like, I don't, it doesn't mean not seem that special now, but I feel like before Vine, the whole idea of super, super snappy jokes in a really short format, which is a lot more common now, wasn't quite as common then. I mean, it, you know, it was definitely around. It wasn't new. But this, like, made it where, like, everybody who wanted to be funny had to do it like that. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that it actually could be really funny. Um, and I think that he demonstrates that. Yeah, and there are definitely some, uh, like, big-name celebrities, too, that went on to Vine and did some pretty good stuff. Like, I think, you know, we talked about him before, but Bur- Bo Burnham had some incredible Vines. Yeah, there, the, there, he... really is, there really is some creativity in that constraint. And now I would say that the closest analog is probably, well, there's Byte, which I don't even think is really a popular platform, but probably the closest analog has become TikTok which has like a similar feel you don't have the constraint necessarily of like a seven seconds but it is still a constrained platform so there is definitely something to be said about like being able to take those boundaries finding a niche and then utilizing it because some of the content on vine is just as you mentioned like really really interesting especially with the looping benefit yeah, and, and, and by the way, shout out to, to Bo Burnham, who I think had the best vines. Um, he took use of this platform in such a great way. But that being said, um, somebody like ProZD, they're both making comedy on Vine, but you can see how different you can actually take it. You know, someone like Bo usually did like a pun or something, um, whereas ProZD is focused on like character comedy. And both of them can work. I mean, so many other things can work too. Um, but yes, but I mean... Just talking about ProZD, though, I think that, like, his character comedy is so on point. Um, there is, like, an element to, like, relatable comedy here, although it's more, like, aimed towards nerds. Again, I, I don't want to um, shoehorn him too much. I mean, I think, like, he does other things. I don't want to just pigeonhole him into just doing nerd stuff. But it is, like, a lot of it. Um, and I think he uh, 
I think even that like relatable humor stuff, he does really well. It doesn't come across as like kind of stupid or like eye roll worthy or anything like that. Um, and um, yeah, just in general, like all around uh, good Vine star. I'm sure he's a good voice actor too. And all the other things that he does. Like I was surprised to find like all of the ventures that he's actually taken when I looked him up after watching like the video. Uh, I had no idea he um, did, like, uh, professional work in voice acting or anything like that, but I can definitely see it because he is good, um, even just in these videos. Yeah, well, actually, he kind of came out of, like, his first platform that really brought him a lot of notoriety even before Vine was Tumblr, where he was most known for just, like, taking random commissions of, like, doing one thing in some random voice so like he does it still on his youtube channel every now and then but he would like do goofy singing let it go or something and so even from like that early stage it was like completely focused around character comedy and voice acting and um, impression work which he's still taken on and now actually does professionally on top of his youtube Okay, do you think that we're about ready to wrap it up here? Yep. Yeah, uh, okay. So, I mean, as always, when we tackle a new format for the show, it is a little bit hard to do like a, figure out how to score or recommend it, um, especially considering that these are videos from a dead format that only exists now in compilation form. Um, I don't even know that I want to score him. It feels weird to do that and considering that there's so many different vines it's like i don't even know where to begin with that so i'm not going to i will just say that i think like for the vine platform he is a very good creator he's one of the funniest and most entertaining um vine stars uh that i've ever seen certainly and watching a compilation purely of his stuff you realize that he had a lot of really good material um and I'm sure he's still doing cool stuff now, although that wasn't what I was recommended. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's even managed to keep it up, and that's really impressive and really cool. I've seen his stuff on Twitter every now and again as well, and it does seem like he can still put out a good joke in a pretty short form, um, and it is really cool. So, I mean, I, I actually would recommend him. If you missed out on the Vine thing, um, I don't know if that's good for you or bad for you, but there are still some creators from that time who were worthwhile. I don't think that... Uh, you should see it as some, like, worthless old platform. Like, oh, those millennials with their short attention span, you know. There was some stuff that was definitely worth watching, and I think that he would definitely be one of them. So I would recommend a Vine compilation of ProZD stuff if you were curious about that kind of thing for sure. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, and I 100% agree. I, again, I don't know how I would rate his entire Vine catalog, but I do think he's definitely worth checking out and even if you don't go and look at vine compilations which um there are many of his vine compilations and he also appears in general vine compilations because a lot of his stuff hit mainstream popularity um i you can look him up on youtube he has a youtube channel even if you look it up look him up on youtube you could probably find some of his short form either vine compilations or youtube compilations that he puts out on his channel and a lot of his stuff is really funny. And now on YouTube, he does a lot more than just short form skits. And, you know, I think he's just a really cool guy. I think he has some really great comedic merit and definitely worth checking out. Okay. And with that, we'll move on to what I recommended to you last time. Yep. Sounds good. 
Okay, so last episode, I recommended to Stephen uh, Frank Ocean's 2016 album, Blonde. Um, categorizing this album is actually harder than I even thought it was. Like, a lot of people would say it's alternative R&B, and it definitely is that at points. Um, you could also easily call it an art pop album. There are elements of soul here, ambient pop. I mean, I don't know. Um, I think even four years later, this kind of feels like it's in its own lane. So it's hard to describe, but of course, Frank Ocean was a, um, for all intents and purposes, as I've been told since, a former Odd Future member um, who uh, went off onto a very lucrative solo career, having only really released two official studio albums, um, if you can call them that. I believe he had a mixtape, and then of course he had Endless, which you could call an album, you could also call a video, I don't know, but uh, Blonde and Channel Oranger is two... Um, studio album releases i think that would be considered completely official um and uh, i will let you take it from here okay so going into this i don't think i had heard much frank ocean i definitely heard heard nothing from this in fact i didn't even know that this existed quite frankly i know that he got a lot of popularity and a lot of notoriety around the release that would have been before this, I think he might have even won a Grammy for it or was definitely in Grammy consideration because I remember it got a lot of buzz. So that this had slipped by me. I was actually kind of frankly surprised, <laughs> frankly. Um, anyway, so I'll just say right off the top, like, you know, I'm looking at, and I didn't look at any of this before. I usually open up Wikipedia as we're talking about something and look at some of the things I'm looking at some of the collaborators on here and it a hundred percent makes sense to see Rostam on this thing. It just, it like puts it in a whole new perspective for me. I like that absolutely makes sense to me. And then Pharrell is just on literally anything that ever existed. And so, um, I, first of all, I'll just stay straight up. I absolutely adored the sound of this thing top to bottom. Uh, there's one little bit on this album that I didn't necessarily like that much and I'm sure we'll talk about, but just from a production standpoint, from a lyrical standpoint, from the actual musicality of this album, like everything about it, I really enjoyed. And there are some standout tracks for me that honestly kind of like blew my mind. Um, some of those tracks being the title track, Nike's, Solo, um, and then even into later tracks, as you get into Nights, as you get into the reprise of Solo, as you get into Godspeed and Futura Free, like every single one of those tracks was just revolutionary for me, truly. It's like such, you kind of alluded to it already at the top, but it's like, it's such a different sound. It's not something that I feel like I've really heard before, but I have heard it before. So it's like hard to even like grasp my mind around what I was listening to because it is very R&B inspired. And there are tracks on here that I feel like are much more R&B than others. But you get these pop influences, you get these light hip hop influences. And then the way that all of that blends together into kind of the super soulful, really introspective album that have these really incredible skits too. On top of that, um, I just, it, it's hard to even describe how, how much I enjoyed this. And I, 
not saying I didn't think I would because of the Frank Ocean that I had heard. I actually really liked it, but I didn't think I would like it this much. Yeah, like if I had to think of like a really succinct way to describe this album, it's definitely hard, but it feels very otherworldly. Like one of the cool things that this album does is that it's structured in such a way where it only gets it only like breaks down and gets more and more atmospheric and ambient as it goes along. When you get to like the second half of the album, uh, things become weirder, things become hazier, and things become um, sp- a lot spacier too. Not the only album that's ever done that, but in this style, I, I mean, it's just it's just something else. Frank Ocean brings like s- so much emotion to every single performance. Um, the lyrics in this album about lost love, lost lovers, and um, I mean, God, how many things even happen? I mean, it's like nostalgia and just so many different things. Like, but it, but like on this album, but the way that it all comes through, like it just feels so profoundly affecting. Um, I mean, there are songs in this thing where it's like, you could, you, you know, they have those like YouTubers who do those like try not to sing, try not to dance compilations. You can almost do like a try not to cry compilation and put Ivy on it and good luck getting past that. Like, but it's like, there's so much about this where it's just like, it, it kind of just blows my mind, like how expressive this is considering that as a sound, it does feel so forward thinking. I still don't know um, and I wouldn't say that, like, this kind of music is my lane exactly. I haven't heard uh, enough to say this with 100% confidence, but it does feel like the kind of thing that people haven't caught up to yet. Like, and I just think, like, the flow of this album is so good. Um, the usage of skits uh, or interludes, I guess they're not really skits, I'm like interludes, um, is just beautiful. There's this phenomenal little chord progression key chord progression that plays under each interlude and comes up a couple times throughout the album until it resurfaces at the very very end in this long um selection of old recordings of him and his friends from the past and every single time this plays it is just so overwhelming um to me and i love the i love the way that these tracks and this little melody um separates up the track list here and makes everything feel really, really consistent, even as the album takes a lot of different paths and um, goes a lot of different places. So I want to talk about that last interview segment because that's the only thing that really caught me. And I will be honest, I think I'm going to try to chalk it up to Spotify and not necessarily to the album, because I have a feeling that if I were to listen to it off of the actual record itself, I would feel differently. But as of Spotify, it like the production on that is so blown out that it's almost you almost can't even like understand what's what's going on. It's like listening to a bad voicemail, then blown through a speaker, and then somebody's in three rooms away. And that's what you're listening to. I mean, so again, I I just want to say I'm going to 100% chalk it up to Spotify because I do think that it would be easier to listen to in a different format. But that was the only thing that, like, it, I, and the actual 
interview itself is really profound. Like it's such a interesting idea and a cool take on something, especially to put it at the like literally the last thing on the album. But just the the listening experience, I did not enjoy. I don't think that that's a Spotify thing. The, the recordings are like really bad, and they're very loud over the um, the over the progression underneath them. But I actually like that a lot. Um, something struck me about the real like because it sounds like he just went into some old bin and just dug up all these old recordings from shitty cassette tapes of him and his friends just doing things and having fun, like all of these memories. Um, recorded in a very you know temporal format like they sound aged they sound old they sound unprofessional but that's what i think is actually so cool about this finale is that it just sounds like he's taking all this old stuff and putting it out there almost as if to say like i'm moving past this um and i just think that that really struck me about it Oh, I'm looking at the article, and I did not know that that was Andre 3000. On Solo Reprise? Yeah. Yeah. He gives such a good verse on that track, too. Pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, um, I, 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 like something really cool that this album does um, that other people had to tell me about, but it is very unique. It is a concept I would love to hear other people try. Um, so... The track Nights, you know how there's the beat switch on that track where it goes from the first section to the second section, which is a lot, and the second section is a lot spacier. It's got like a soft piano. It sounds like a lo-fi hip-hop beat to relax and study to. Mm -hmm. Um, That beat switch happens at exactly the the midway point of this album. Like literally right at the middle is when that beat switch happens. Um, And after that point, the album is when the album gets spacier and weirder. Like, right after that is the solo reprise, which takes some weird turns. Then you get Pretty Sweet, which opens up, and it's just, like, mind-bendingly crazy. Um, It's, like, such a weird idea, um, but it's it's just yet another way this album is able to keep itself... It's allowing itself to go on these different paths while still feeling like it's following one consistent thread. Um, I think it'd be very easy for an album that gets slower and spacier throughout its runtime to start to feel like it's dragging on. But Blonde actually just continues to be interesting the whole time, which is something I think is really cool about it. Yeah, and it's hard to even... I think I mentioned already, but it's hard to describe like how transformative I feel like this is. And it is kind of crazy to me that this is not been emulated although frankly i don't know if you could i don't know if you could emulate what this album is was going for is doing because it is so unique and that is so cool yeah and being able to listen to it was just an absolute pleasure but it's also awesome though to me that you know even it's not just that it's unique because I mean that's awesome in and of itself but it's that like this sound that he's exploring has so much untapped emotional potential I mean well untapped by other people he definitely tapped it um that is shown here like this cerebral quality it's like introspection and musical form um you know the likes of which I don't know that I've ever really heard quite like this um and I 
I mean, I would love to hear him. I haven't heard Endless. I don't know if Endless sounds like this, but God, anything else from him, I would love to hear. But anybody else, I mean, he's already inspired all of his contemporaries. I know that Tyler, the Creator's uh, newest stuff, I've been told, was heavily inspired by Frank Ocean. Of course, they were both an odd future together, and I think they still collaborate. Um, but a lot of the artists from that um, from that group and also elsewhere have just kind of all taken their stuff in such a cool and new direction. Um where it's just like these guys are carving something out that I don't know if we're ready for. Um, but God, it, it does feel like listening to this, like this is going to be like, this is an album for the ages, you know, like this is the kind of thing that we'll be looked back on as like such a pivotal moment for all of these genres. I mean, I want to say R and B, it will definitely influence that, but it, it's had influence on hip hop. It's had influence on pop. I mean, like all of the stuff that went into this is, has taken, has sprung out from this too, I think, um, and records uh, from his contemporaries. I just think that's really cool. Yeah, and when, and that's surprising to me because, as I mentioned, it's like I feel like this completely flew past my radar. Now, I'm not necessarily like super musically verse, so I'm not in necessarily any scenes that would know about this, but at the same time, because Endless got so much general buzz i'm surprised that this just kind of flew completely under but i think you're talking about channel orange right the album before this channel orange channel sorry, sorry. Channel yeah. Orange. Yeah, yeah because that flew under uh because it got so much buzz now this one i feel like and this is just based on what i've heard from um channel orange this one feels a little more conceptual to me and i don't even know it looks like there might have been maybe one single off of this so that could probably have an important factor that played into it but um like as far as like super like uber mainstream popularity i don't feel like this was as prolific as the last one i see someone in the chat is saying that it was very popular and i'm sure that's 100 percent huge uh and i'm sure that's 100 percent true i just feel like from like the uber mainstream this kind of flew right by me it probably didn't get much radio play if any that that's for sure um but because spotify is where people get their stuff i think this was perfect for that format and in fact it um it hasn't really had physical releases like it has but they've all been limited edition i think the vinyl release might be like a full release, but CD releases and such were all like limited edition stuff that you were hard to get your hands on. And some of them even had like alternate track lists and stuff. Um, but this has really stayed as like a streaming album and a digital release, which feels like appropriate for what it's doing. Um, although I would love to get a CD of it, whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there are a variety of factors for why you may not have heard it, but yeah, this was definitely like huge. And I remember it took me forever to get around to this, which is shame on me, I guess. But I remember this getting buzzed for years. Uh, when this came out, it was like the biggest thing that everybody was talking about. Um, and, you know, it, it's understandable why, right? Because despite the fact that this is, it does feel like such an adventurous album, it is still an album that is accessible. Like I think a lot of people can hear this and it has those stylistic influences from places that they very much recognize um, and lyrical stylings that they're very used to. 
um, just brought into this whole new dimension. Um, this might be a weird comparison, and I don't mean to say that the albums are similar, but I almost think it's like the same reason why an album like Dark Side of the Moon might have gotten huge in the 70s. Like, despite the fact that it was like way out of the bounds for mainstream rock listeners and such, it still took its origins from places that people recognize, but it brought them into a new world where everyone could hear it and be like, whoa, this is blowing my mind. And odd as it is to say, I feel like Blonde sits in a similar camp to that where um, it's not going to throw anybody off. It's just going to captivate everyone who hears this and realize like, holy shit, like this guy's on some other level. Um, but it's actually true is the thing. Like it doesn't matter how much, how deep you are into music. Like everybody recognizes that this is like a giant leap forward. It still kind of sounds futuristic now. Um, and uh, that's all that I pretty much have to say about it. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the streaming service, like in general, I feel like lends itself to so much additional creativity because you're not necessarily pushing records. Now, there's a flip side to that, obviously, but like from a creativity standpoint and from an, being able to like a, an expressionary standpoint, I feel like those platforms lend themselves to a greater form of expression than normal because the other thing is like searchability as well as like your tracks on your album potentially showing up in random mixes and those sorts of things i feel like there's a benefit an interesting benefit to people who want to take a more non-mainstream approach who want to try to who want to try something different. I feel like there's an interesting benefit of a streaming service like a Spotify or something like that. Now you can go like all the way out there on, on like a very indie platform. But if you're able to get your music onto Spotify, I feel like there is an interesting view in the sense that like, you know, something like this or even something weirder than this has an ability to breathe on a streaming service. Yeah, and I also think it definitely helps that, I mean, um, um, as uh, Tyler the Creation here in chat mentioned, um, you know, Frank Ocean did have Odd Future hype, and I, I'm sure you remember when Odd Future was, like, the talk of the town, right? Like, when these guys, like, um, Frank Ocean, Earl Sweatshirt, Tyler the Creator, and all those other people who no one else is coming to name right now, I'm sorry. Um, but, like, when they were a group, it was, like, the biggest thing um, in alternative hip-hop. I say alternative hip-hop because I feel like it was slightly outside of mainstream a little bit, but not much. Um, and all of these artists, all three of the artists that I mentioned, have gone on to release stuff that has been very mind-bending, particularly Earl Sweatshirt, Um and even Earl Sweatshirt could continue to have, like, big success, even with stuff like some rap songs, which I haven't heard much of. But everything I have heard was incredibly weird, even to me. Um, so, like, but I think that that's another way in which, and it is something, again, that's really impressive to hear artists who were at the front of the mainstream, I mean, still are. Um, you know, you mentioned how much you knew about Channel Orange, because it was a huge release, for sure, back in 2012. And, I, and it did win a Grammy, by the way. I believe Urban Contemporary of course, um, you know, uh, but uh, I think it won that. Um, and uh, and being Which able... Which I, I actually just want to announce right now, just for our viewers, our podcast just won Urban Contemporary. Uh, I don't think it would, but uh, the... You're welcome, everyone. Yeah, but um, the... 
the hype from that, I think being able to carry that over and keep exploring new ventures with your music is just super impressive. Again, all three of the guys that I mentioned from Odd Future have done that, um, and I hope they continue to, but yeah. Well, with that, Louis, do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I, I mean, I already gushed about this thing as we talked about it, but this really was transformative for me. I mean, it's not something like, like anything else that I feel like I've ever heard. But as you mentioned, it's similar enough to things that I have heard that it was listenable. It wasn't so out there that I was immediately taken aback and it was like, you know, like something like a Swans or a Death Grips, which I've listened to before, which I feel like have merits, but just not merits for me. This is something that really struck me in a way that is kind of undescribable. So with that, I'm going to give it are you ready for this, Lewis? No. A 10. Oh my god. Can I get a base in the chat? Oh, and I recommend it, I guess. Yeah. Maybe I guess, yeah, maybe. Um Yeah, no, I um yeah, I think this album is just beautiful. I mean, like, we talked a lot about how unique it is, but on its own merits, even forgetting that, because I mean, there are definitely stylistic origins here. I don't think it's the most out there thing in the world by any stretch, um, but it is adventurous. But I just think that it is a profoundly affecting album, like super, super emotionally affecting. Um, and I know it is for a ton of people as well, but like, it is just a beautiful record. It's wonderfully constructed, um, flows great, and it has a number of standout moments, like for me, Ivy self-control and nights are just like some of the greatest songs i've ever heard in my life um and you know there's other of course there's so many other highlights on this thing but um but yeah i mean it just i think i would uh i would just say like i recommend it to pretty much everybody i don't care where your musical turnoffs are, like what things you're not into or you are into. I don't think it matters. Like this just feels like the kind of thing that everybody should hear because this is probably where music's still going. Um, I don't know if everybody's caught up, but maybe they will. Um, and it's ju- it just feels like a landmark moment um, that uh, that will be looked back on for a long time. I'll give it a 9.5. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, should we move on to the recommendations? Yeah. So you go ahead and go first. Okay, so this is going to be an interesting one to talk about on the back of this. Especially because of uh, one Mr. Pharrell Williams. And I'm sure we'll get into some of the history of this thing. But Lewis, I'm going to recommend to you the album Heard It in a Past Life by Maggie Rogers. This was a very early 2019 release. Um, not the first release by Maggie, but absolutely the biggest release by Maggie. Before then, she was kind of putting out some smaller EPs that were getting low-level traction. But this was kind of her like big breakout album. So with that, we will talk about Heard It in a Past Life. Sweet, and I also have an album for you. Um, this album... Um... <laughs> This is an album. It is a a progressive metal album from the year 2001. It is Tools Lateralis. Uh, Tool are a um, progressive metal band, alternative metal band, 
came up in the early 90s and continued success as they became more cerebral and heady, I would say, and thoughty um, and mathematical. Um, they just recently released a new album last year that was a big deal, I guess. Um, but it had been like over 10 years since their last one. Lateralis is probably their, usually generally considered their crowning achievement. Um, and uh, I would argue the biggest crossover release in metal from the 2000s, or at least one of them, um, in the sense that it was enjoyed by, I think, a lot of people who weren't into metal. And uh, that is all I am going to say about that. I think that that pretty much does it for this episode. Um, I want to thank everybody for watching, as always. Uh, And I actually do have things to announce. The main thing is that I have been streaming on uh, Twitch a decent amount, so you can follow me on Twitch, keep on rocking 404. I don't know if there are any links to that on my YouTube channel. There might be. But if there aren't, you get to search me up, um, I think. I don't know how Twitch works. Uh, and, um, and I also never advertised my new album, uh, even though I think we had two streams since then. So yeah, my album After Crisis, that came out like over a month ago. You should listen to that. Um, and... Uh, Otherwise, we're on CastBox, as always. Usually, we put up our episodes immediately after. Um, We air them, and uh, you can listen to us on the go. It's uh, great fun, and um, I hope you join us next time. You can, just like the classic Vine, listen to us and go, ha, 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 I do that. Yes, the classic Vine. From, uh, what's her name? I don't remember her name. Left at London. Left at London. Yes. 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 Um, amazing. Wow. She would be so proud. Uh, anyway, do we have any You're other... You're welcome for that free publicity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, are that we... was the biggest endorsement you could have gotten. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, do we have any other housekeeping things or anything? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. Well, then with that, those were our thoughts. Those were our recommendations.